0: this is James will you're listening to fars on the farm podcast
1: we have a lot of a lot of players that are ready to step up and you know and I don't think leadership comes from just one person one voice one message we, we know our players in the minor leagues and we know how talented those guys are and they're going to go on to do some really really uh, great things arguably the best hitter in baseball and uh, that should uh, that should be a, a big a big uh, help for
2: our team and our, and our and our club and then you know getting Josh Bell um, also offensively another you know, switcher is having a great year that can swing a bat
1: we understand ultimately you know I think we're, we're looking at it as you know three years uh three pennant races you know of a, you know kind of a you know obviously one of the best hitters and maybe the
2: best hitter in the game
1: welcome to friars on the farm podcast uh i'm donovan and with me is roy how's your mental state doing right now donovan uh a really, 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 it's been insane. I, 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 like, I haven't even begun to hang over. It is now uh 6-12. Um, everything has happened. Uh, and I went to the game. Like, I, I played hooky at midway through the morning. And I bounced, I, I, like, I'm out of here. My wife, Lena Liddy, got us tickets to the game. We went down to the game. And ironically, in the game... Hasson Kim had a career day, had four hits. Uh, yeah, and and
2: Jerickson- Profar had five hits. Both those guys Jerickson- had career days. Dude,
1: and, and when in the first inning, uh, you know, you uh, Darvish kind of struggled a little bit, so they gave up some runs. But for some reason, and we got the bases load of the next inning and didn't score, but it's just like one of those games where, like, I think we're going to be okay. Even if we lose this game, we could
2: lose this game by a, a 15-0. to And like, I think we're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. Yeah, but little did you know it was the whole opposite of that. It's like this burden has been lifted off everybody's shoulders, and there's this fresh energy, and boom, the offense comes alive.
1: Oh, my God. It, you know, it, it's like they refreshed the, you know, everyone knew the news before the game started, but it's like those that are in the bubble of the lineup started to really, show, you know, show their worth in Jerickson profile, in Hassan Kim. And, uh, you know, Darvish is a professional. So he always brings it back and, and just, he knows how to, he knows how to come back from a it's from a rough uh beginning but this morning i i can't i just you know we're as a padre fan we're used to like last minute tweet i think john morosi uh tweeted like this is almost happening we're like that's going to be the
2: ken rosenthal tweet from last year right um, we got hurt last year and i learned to put up my defenses i'm not believing anything till it's done you know until and,
1: and jeff Passon says it has happened
2: um and you won't believe it until the trade deadline is over. Um, but even that, Jeff, Jeff Passon says it's happening. And then next thing, you know, there's this talk right. of the no trade clause and Hosmer. And well, oh, who knows? And then people are saying, well, the deal's still going to happen even if Hosmer, right. def- you know, declines his or exer- exercises his no trade clause. Oh my God. The whole time my, my brain was just going to catastrophe mode. Like, okay, this leaves the door open for some other team to swoop in and make a better offer. And we all know who that better, who that other team is going to be. Right. Thank goodness. It didn't happen. And thank goodness. Preller found a way to move Hosmer to another team. And like all the things that I was hoping to happen happened.
1: Like you ever wish for everything in, for Christmas and it actually come true. Like just every, every toy you wanted underneath the tree, came through, and then some. Josh Bell. Dude, I've loved Josh Bell since he played for the Pirates. Like, he was on he was on our first breakup team, me and Liddy's first breakup team back in 2015
2: uh, when Kutch was there, Bell was there. Um uh, Your breakup team? We'll have to go into that on another episode. but I'm curious about what that means. That means right around, you know,
1: August, uh, July, August is when the Padres are way out of contention and we break up with them and we take another team that's not a large market team and that are doing good. And it was the Pirates. Oh, and they had um, Josh Harrison. They had God, who was pitching for him back then? I can't remember. But there were our Joe Musgrove. <laughs> yeah, this is I think a little before Joe Musgrove. Oh, okay, but just you know, we never get this stuff. And and I, I'm sure we're gonna I'm gonna send this out to the Nat Talks guys. Um, and maybe they'll disseminate it because they're gonna hear the um, the uh, the last interview that will ever be done with uh, James Wood as a based prospect. Yeah, Um, that's what we have
2: for you, listeners. That's what we have for you today. Last Sunday, Donovan went up to Lake Elsinore and Saturday Saturday, and happened to score an interview with James Wood, and you wound up spending, what, a half an hour with him?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. It was Sunday. It's been a long few days, man. It's been rough. I'm an emotional wreck. Uh,
2: So after we're done going over the whole trade deadline stuff, then we're going to give you the, the James Wood interview.
1: Yeah, and and certainly we're going to give you guys a good background on the guys that you got, and we did absolutely. It's like when we lost, almost like the Padres lost, uh, Adrian Gonzalez. Like we, that guy just raped. He still is like second or third in most home runs, and he only played there for like four years after come over on the Texas trade. Um, and I can't even remember who we got back. I really don't remember who we got back, but the guy. Oh, that it got was back.
2: Anthony Rizzo.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: It was Anthony Rizzo and a couple other guys, and uh, nobody wound up ever uh, turning into anything. Sent Anthony Rizzo off. No, no, it was Anthony Rizzo and an outfielder, Ray something, and another guy. But, yeah, anyway.
1: But, but <sighs> we're gonna, you know, you guys are getting back some really good players, and we'll go over that a little bit later on. But for now, let's just move on with the show and, and talk, first of all, Uh, The hometown boy, Joe Musgrove, uh, East County's finest, uh, signed a fine year, five year, hundred million dollar extension with the Padres hometown boy. I went to Oklahoma Valley. He I'm a much older than he is, but he went to Grossmont, which is a which is the nice
2: high school on the hill. Um, He's every every local boy's dream come true, dude yeah this is this is the 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 amazing story you know he comes here finally starts finding some success in Pittsburgh gets traded to his hometown team throws the first no hitter in team history and just becomes the local hero He's engaged in all this local community stuff he really is embracing the community of San Diego that he's grown up in and then he's only gotten better now he's having the best year of his career Uh, we were talking Cy Young contender earlier on who knows he may get his name back into that conversation he's just kicking butt and now he's here for the next five years he's 30 years old so that's essentially a a a lifetime contract for him right um he is he is a san diego padre for life yeah barring injury uh barring anything happening those are the core years of of his playing career
1: because he he wasn't this good last year and he seems to have improved every year in the past like three or four years he just every year he's got a little bit better This last year, he worked so hard on on just um, he changed up his routine in the emotional and mental side of the game. Where you know he did weird things like learning how to hold his breath for like four minutes, and what that has nothing to do with pitching, but what allows your body to do is not freak out and go into emergency mode when things aren't you know when you're when you're starved for air, but you know it's kind of be able to center yourself when emotions are running high, right? And those things. They talk about that in, you know, Pearl talks about that. And Bo Mel talks about his leadership in the clubhouse, your leadership by not speaking your leadership by what you do and how you act and how you carry yourself. And that's been said almost every time he comes out of a start. They talk about it in the postgame on just the kind of man he is on top of the player.
2: Right. And I see the exercise does in the off season. He was sharing a lot of that stuff on Instagram and it's really interesting stuff that he's doing with these Persian clubs and all this flexibility, working on balance, balance balls, balance boards. Um, And he seems to have this different routine that I'm, I'm optimistic it's going to keep him from getting bitten by the injury bug. He's been very durable. So even if his, uh, if his performance takes a tick down, you know, as the years go through this contract, he's still going to be consistent. He's going to be an anchor in the middle of the rotation. Um, I mean, I just could not be more excited for, yeah. for that. And so while we were all, everybody's hearing all these Soto rumors, this and that, here comes this amazing good news on the eve of the trade deadline, the Joe Musgrove extension. Yeah. And then the next good news. It was just insane.
1: You know, the, the, roger taylor's uh had a really good start to the season Ta- taylor he, rogers taylor rogers roger taylor i think roger taylor that's uh what band member who what band is he playing roger taylor uh, is that queen is he he's a drummer for queen right I- oh my god i think he's a drummer for queen <laughs> anyways um yes had a really good start of the season leads the league or is at least second to josh Hader, i believe in in saves but just these last few you know the last five outings i think he's given up so many runs and and you know saves are three runs two runs one runs and it, it just it, it seemed like his his performance was trailing you know was failing at, at best right but he comes over and uh he, he goes over to the brewers in a trade with him Daniel lament robert gasser and Stubi ruiz you know, Dynas LeMet, we, we've covered for a long time. Robert Gassel, we just recently started covering this last year in, in Fort Wayne. This is his first year in pro ball. Astuie Ruiz, we've known since uh, Lake Elsinore a few years back. Um, really two talented guys there, three talented players. LeMet, you know, would would show flashes recently of what we used to see in 2019 but just, you know, but would
2: ha- was inconsistent. He's never going to be the guy that he was in 2020. Yeah. It's, it really is apparent now that he, he and, uh, and Clevenger both got injured around the same time. Clevenger opted to go through Tommy John. Now he's back and he's looking like old Mike Clevenger. I don't think Nelson Lamette is ever going to get back to that, you know, touching a hundred with a fastball and the slider that looks like it's going a foot and a half East to West. that's just, it's, it's not there anymore, but he's still a serviceable reliever. He's, he's got plenty of talent. So yeah, he goes over to, to to Milwaukee. Um Asturias Ruiz, he was the the hot story all summer on our podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Every week it seemed like he was doing great things, stealing bases, extra base hits, got the surprise call up. Nobody nobody really expected him to get the call up to AAA yeah. and then he next thing you know he's in the majors and he was holding his own. Uh but you know what this this kind of trade, we're supposed to be prospect huggers, right? Friars right. on the farm. Right. But this is what you do with those kinds of prospects. So Astrid Ruiz, he's never going to be a star in the major leagues. Maybe he'll be an everyday center fielder. Maybe he'll be like a Michael A. Taylor kind of a guy. But I, I don't see him, you know, taking that next step to become Alfonso Soriano, like like people right. were, were labeling him early in his minor league career. So what do you do? You package a few of those guys and you get the best closer in baseball for this year and next year, when the team's doing this all in push, it's, it's the right move in. It it, it just, it, it makes sense.
1: You know, and Josh Hader hasn't gone without his struggles as well.
2: Well, he had a couple of rough games, one rough game in particular there was a cluster there um uh, i i've seen something that he said that he was tipping his pitches a little bit and he he cleaned that up um apparently there was some personal stuff going on uh something to do with his his family there was a i something about a pregnancy i'm i'm not sure but you know you never know what's going on in somebody's personal life and how that can how that can affect them you know in in the game so he seemed to get through that the last couple of outings have been really good and i mean come on 98 from the left-hand side and he's almost like Randy Johnson esque with that crazy sidearm delivery. And it's, you don't know if he's going to throw it, you know, right down the pipe or put it in your hip.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, well, and automatically after that, you see all the Dodger fans on Twitter tweeting, uh, you know, little snippets of a Dodgers hitting home runs off him. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a rivalry. We're not a big deal to the Dodgers, but the Dodger fans, you know, they think about us a lot. Right right <laughs> well and, you know and you talk about like stuff affecting your job performance dude I, I mean everything got done today absolutely that i needed to get done but it got done with very little with like i wasn't my, I just i wasn't paying attention i knew where i knew what I needed to get done my job isn't that tough um so i was very distracted actually doing my job so i can see when something happens you know something big and emotional can affect you you know these are human beings you know on top of that and we're supposed to you know toughen it up boy you know come on just focus sometimes it doesn't happen a lot of times it doesn't happen
2: all right well then next on the list is the big one Juan Soto and Josh Bell from the Nationals for Luke Voigt Mackenzie Gore CJ Abrams Robert Hassel III James Wood and Harleen Susana this is the kind of trade that us as a prospect focused podcast that we're supposed to be screaming and running for the Hills and saying, no, no, yeah. no. But I am, I am so excited for what Juan Soto is going to bring to this team for the next three years, yeah. two, two and a fraction a year. Yeah. And then Josh Bell through the end of the season, I'm, uh, this is a huge pickup on a team that's trying to go all, all in. And so, yeah, it hurts. We're giving up CJ Abrams, who. Looks like he may be a star in the making. Mackenzie Gore, who still has potential to become a future ace. Robert Hassel the third, that has the potential to become a perennial all-star center fielder. James Wood, who draws comparisons to, I mean, I've seen Willie McCovey, Willie Stargell, Dave Parker. I mean, people throw out some crazy names when they're talking about him. And then Harlan Susana, who's. 18 years old, but he's six foot six, throws 98 to 102 fastball. He's got multiple off-speed pitches. So, you know, a, a baby rattlesnake that may evolve into an ace as well. So this is the Nationals absolutely restocking their the top yeah. end of their prospect stack, but it's the Padres making the ultimate all-in push right. for Juan Soto, who when people draw comps to him, it's just Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. He's 23. He's incredibly the, – the baseball IQ is off the charts. At Fernando Tatis Jr., they were talking to him before the game or during, between the games, and he was talking about the awareness and how they're always a step ahead in the game. And it's just – oh, my God. I'm so excited to see him step in the box tomorrow. I think, I think Tim Kirsten
1: said this is probably the biggest trade in baseball history.
2: This could people the
1: talent that's going over to the Nationals and the and the talent in in Juan Soto and Josh Bell coming over to the Padres. You, you um, on top of the how, what a great player he is. The personalities there, that smile is is just you see that smile. You're like, okay, whatever you want, I'm I'm in. You're just like the he's not. He's so friendly. He's so personable. He's got personality. And it's not cocky personality like maybe a Josh Donaldson or something like that, you know, or, or Eric Hosmer. I almost want to say, but just like fun young kid having fun playing the game uh, and doesn't mind having fun doing it. The little shuffle with the with the ball that's inside. Oh, I love you
2: know, the
1: shuffle. I, it, people don't like it because it's like showing off. Like, come on, kids, stay in the box. You know, the boomers of baseball. But no, it, not this team. Absolutely is going to shine with Fernando Tatis Jr. with. With Manny Machado, with Jerickson Profar, and, and the rest of the squad. So l- let me just talk a little bit about the players you guys are getting. Mackenzie Gore. If you guys watch, like we had a lot of struggles it, this past few years. Us Padre fans have known it. You're probably going to hear a lot about it in your local news. Um, your local sports guys are going to talk about it. He has fixed that uh, to some to some extent, and we saw what the first five, six starts of his. I almost want to say nine starts, but yeah. I, I want to kind of back off from that nine. He had um, an ERA he,
2: under 1.2. His his whip was under one. He wasn't walking anybody, striking out a bunch of people, controlling the game.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm, and it's, and I don't think we ever saw his best. We never saw him right. when he put it all together. One right. game, he'd have the fastball location. He didn't quite have the feel for the off-speed stuff. Next game, fastball lo- contra- command wasn't quite there, but then the slider and the, the, the curveball were working. Um, yeah, it's just... But he has enough weapons that he can he always has something to fall back on and he's smart enough to understand how to how to how to manage all that and he's exactly. only what 23 i think yeah same age as
1: same age as Juan Soto
2: that <laughs> just, just blows Juan. my mind that Juan Soto's only 23 you know,
1: you know so so at the end of those last few starts that he was having i feel that you know they were talking about his mechanics kind of being off um i'm i'm sure that's part of the case uh, but i think there was some maybe fatigue there a couple of fatigue and you kind of mess with his mechanics are a little bit. If it gets off and the velocity goes down. So they shut him down. They put him in the bullpen. And I think he's had one, atta- uh, one, one appearance out of the bullpen since he's been, uh, you know before he got traded, um, he's going to rest the rest of this year. He's going to come back in spring and he's going to deal for you guys. Like you guys got a top of the line starter that is controllable for several years and certainly is, um, is, you know, once again, it, he's, he's not Juan Soto, but you add these guys together and you're getting a really good package.
2: Right. And so now the, the injury, I want to talk about that a little bit, though, because so he left a game and you could see that he was flexing his hand, flexing his. And so Washington Nationals fans in particular are going to be very reminiscent about what happened with Steven Strasburg multiple times. So McKenzie went in, got an MRI, and they verified that it is not an issue with his UCL. This is not a Tommy John type of situation. So there is something, there is some form of injury that they're going to give him some extended rest, but it's, he's not going to go under the knife for Tommy John, at least not due to, to this, whatever's going on right now. Right.
1: Right. And even, even if he does, just just throw it out there say next year, he comes back and he, and he, you know, he needs to have Tommy John saying spring training or maybe a quarter of the season, whenever he's still 23 years old, he still has all that talent, after Tommy John, come back a year after that, he'll be 24, 25. And this is just like worst case scenario. Are you going to get him at 25? with are still several years of control and he's going to be dominant. You know, so that's the worst case scenario. If not, you're going to get another solid, solid piece. So Isidia Abrams, um, you know, I love the kid. Um, turn off the phone right now. You guys listening that are, my, my boss, Daniel Morales, uh, hates this guy. Um, but he's not really a baseball guy, so how um, could he hate? What I mean, because he, you know, because he came up. Well, you know, a guy like Luis, like just he comes up and he does not automatically produce.
2: Okay, not You're everybody's not- Fernando Tatis Jr. Not exactly. everybody's Juan Soto. Those guys are generational talents. Exactly. Most guys come up and they struggle, and it takes a couple of cycles of adjustment before they get there. Right. But you look at what CJ Abrams did. After he got sent down to the minors and then came back up in the last what month or so, he's been contributing on a regular basis to the Padres, playing very good defense at shortstop, playing some second base. They've put him out in right field a couple of times. But really, I mean, he's got all the tools to be an absolutely stellar Major League shortstop at a front of the order, front, front of the rotation, front of the order kind of a bat. Yeah, top of the order guy. He, uh, he's also going to get bigger. He is thin right now. He will
1: fill out. He will put on muscle. He will bring that power to all fields that we've seen his first home run was opposite field shot. And he's maybe, maybe a buck 80 soaking wet, maybe. And I think he's six, one, six, two, six, one, six, two. So certainly he's going to be a top of the lineup everyday player uh, with certainly with some
2: star potential there. Right. It's it's the hit tool that has been his carrying tool this whole time that and he's the got team. the amazing bat control, the bat to ball skills, but he also has the pitch recognition and the plate discipline. And You go back to when he was drafted and you read the stories about how he would uh, practice with his dad in the, in the, the kitchen of their house, throwing bottle caps and hitting them with, with sticks, yeah. you know, with all kinds of, just doing all these crazy exercises when he was a kid, just to develop that hand eye coordination. Um, and so you see the fast twitch stuff. He's so, he's so quick. He's twitchy. Uh, and he's fast on the bases too. He's got near top of the end, top of the line speed. We haven't seen him, you know, become a burner on the bases. Uh, but when it comes to taking the extra base, he's an aggressive base runner. He's a smart base runner. He's already pretty dang polished. Really all that's, that's lacking is the, the, the up strength that'll come right. in the next couple of years. Right. He's super young. So moving on to Robert Hassel III, Bobby barrels, like you have a,
1: a and I, I I make this comp with all due respect to the Padre fans that are listening. I see a Cody Ballinger type hitter, but better with average um, than than Cody Bellinger. I know you're grimacing. I know you don't like it, but the swing is there. He has a lot more opposite field power. I think that um, than, than Cody does. Cody's more of a pull hitter, but the swing is there. He's played excellent outfield. The big question with him was his defense and could he stick in the outfield? And he's done a lot of work in Fort Wayne Mm -hmm. and Lake Elsinore to improve that. And
2: he can stick in in center field. Now I was cringing, not because Cody Bellinger is a Dodger and we're supposed to hate everything having to do with LA. No, it's, when i look at cody bellinger's swing i see somebody who's selling out for power and there's there's this big aggressive just the way that his body moves and the long bat path and all this and that's not what robert hassel the third does he's a lot more balanced in the box he's a lot more composed so right now he's going the other way a lot but It's just, it's a matter of development. It's a matter of him developing his, his approach um, and, and his mechanics. But already you look at what he's doing in high A and he's, he's been tearing it up and he's been hitting for power, even though he's not really getting into his power. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. So before we get off Robert Hassel, I want to point out. So the other thing that we talk about on our podcast a lot is. The stuff that happens off the field, the maturity, the development, the because developing a player isn't just the on the field skills; it's also what they do off the field. And Robert Hassel is one of these guys that always, every step along the way, he's always shown more maturity and poise than your typical teenager. Um, So we've been expecting him to make the jump up to Double A. I would, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go straight into Double A when he hits the when he gets off the plane wherever he's going. Uh, But you're getting a guy that is mature beyond his years, both and from a baseball standpoint and from a individual maturity standpoint.
1: Right. So you're not going to get, yeah, absolutely. And when you hear him talk, he says all the right things. He understands that it's a process. He knows the work that he has to do. He's, He's an incredible, incredibly hard worker. Um, but that doesn't mean he works. That, that he's a hard. You, you know, it's hard working. He's smart. He uses technology. He uses everything at his disposal to get better. And he understands it's a process. He understands where he is. He understands where he wants to go. And he's doing whatever it takes to get there. He talks about, you know, he, he went on a little, a little bit of a, a little bit of a slump earlier in the season. And you know, the article from Fangas, if you guys want to find it, talks. He talks about, I just wasn't, you know, was hit the ball. I just wasn't getting the results. Uh, I didn't change anything. I just kept doing what I was doing, stuck with my approach,
2: and the hit started coming. David Lorilla is the author that wrote that article yeah. on Fangraphs. It, it was a Q&A with uh, yeah. Robert Hassel and a really good one. Yeah, we had it a couple episodes
1: back. I don't know if you guys want to go and find it, but certainly uh, you know you can find all, all the information that we have on uh, on Robert is on the podcast, or you guys can go to Mad Friars. Uh, They're the blog that really covers uh, the Padres minor league system in detail. And we get most of our information, if not all of our information from them. And we are super grateful.
2: (laughs) All right. So then next in this trade is James Wood. Um, and James Wood is a mountain of a man. Uh, but usually when you see a large outfielder, um, you think of somebody who maybe has some, some awkwardness, there's a lot of swing and miss there's, but that is not the case with him. He is athletic. He's fast. He moves incredibly well for something his size. That's some, something that people draw comparisons to, uh, O'Neal Cruz for like somebody yeah. that. So I mean, kind of looks like he's like you see somebody that big moving the way that they do it. Like that body shouldn't move like that. And then at the plate, he's got the strike zone discipline and he has the bat control to be able to keep the wa- the strikeouts down. I think he's been striking out at less it's, than a 20% rate. Yep, in single it's so 18, far.
1: He uh, he has 18% uh, strikeout rate and a 16% walk rate. So just about same amount of walks as he has strikeouts. Now I've watched every, just to go back, I've watched every single Mackenzie Gore start. I have watched so several a couple dozen games with cj abrams i watched about the same amount of of games of robert hassel and about the same games amount of games with james wood that's what i do i get home from work four o'clock the tin caps games on and watch that for an hour five o'clock the next you know it's the it's the uh san antonio missions that game i had that game going and then on and on and on um i've watched a lot of these guys play James Wood is one of those guys, and you might have heard some of it uh when he got drafted. He he the comparison I have to it is when when people when Robinson Cano first came up, Robinson Cano came up and he was so good, he made everything look like it was easy and that he wasn't trying that hard. And that like his underarm flips to first base from second base, or that's kind of lazy. No, he is so good that he makes just regular playing look simple and he his demeanor his um the way he goes about himself personally um it looks it, you know it, the the comparison is like he's disinterested and he doesn't care that's not him if you guys pay attention and look through you know look through what you see you see a guy that works hard knows what he's doing has light power power and like after we talked to him in the interview his first at bat he hit a ball it was middle in, sure, but he hit it the opposite field to the deepest part, 15-20 feet past the past the fence. I am had to be at least 430 feet. Easy. And he's and he's 19 years old. And he's Insane 19. Way. So you guys, when you see this, you, you're gonna see a player that you know kind of strolls up. You know, when players come up to the to the plate, when I come up to the plate, and I'm kind of like flapping my bat, you know, I'm just kind of getting used. He walks up there like he's walking his dog, man, and it looks If it looks on the outside, like he's disinterested, like he doesn't care. But when he steps into that box, you you do not want to pitch to that kid because he will hit the ball
2: far. Yeah, every game I've every time I've seen him, every game I've watched, he's hit at least one ball, just incredibly hard. Yeah. And there's a different sound that comes off his bat. I know it's cliche, but when Keith Law had his article today about who the Nationals got in this, he said 80 grade power. He mentioned 80 grade. So that's probably raw power right now, you know, in the context of a 19-year-old, but he's six foot seven, what, two hundred and 40 250 pounds whatever he's up to no and he's, he's louder than me you think he's so me. yeah I, I think he's 230 he's he's a thin guy and, and that's the
1: thing he's he's thin but i was talking to um i was talking to eric today at the game uh, and he was talking about he was he was breaking records with weightlifting in the weight room in spring training Wow, like the wow. guy's got power. Like, like you'll see him, like he looks a little lanky, like he's gonna grow more into that body, and he ain't gonna lose the speed. He isn't gonna get huge, like say a Frank Thomas. Um, he's gonna stay lean and you know be Willie Mays. Like a lot of people want to go, 6'7", oh, it's Aaron Judge. It's a different ball player, much more athletic. Judge has that crazy power, absolutely. Um, but I think he's gonna be more athletic, he has better speed. Um, and that power
2: is that power is there. Right. Um, so the last name on our list here is Harlan Susana. And this is somebody that none of us have laid eyes on because he, he was on the uh, in in the complex. Dominican league and now he's in the complex. So he hasn't really made his pro debut as far as, you know uh, you know, being on TV Affiliate and being ball, able to, yeah. to watch what he does. Uh, but he's six foot six he's incredibly athletic, um, fastball 98 to 102 miles an hour already at 18 years old. Um, and he's got a full repertoire of off-speed stuff. So it's kind of a blank canvas when it could I mean he'd be a high school senior this year and he already has this kind of stuff. So I like to go on fan graphs and look at what Eric Longenhagen has to say, yeah. um, as well as what guys like Keith law and some of these other folks have to say, uh, so go on FanGraphs. There's a good article about who the nationals got in there and what you see in there is, you know, all that we can really tell you because we haven't seen him in person and we haven't, uh, you know, he hasn't been covered in the box scores enough for us to really talk about what he's been doing. Uh, but people talk about him like he's got future ACE potential. And so for an 18 year old, that's really all you can ask for.
1: Yeah. Well, we do, you know, through mad for we had the complex, um, Dailies and he's striking out seven, striking out six, striking out eight guys, and I'm sure a lot of that is fastball. But I did ask, and he's switching up his pitches. He is throwing the fastball. He's got a slider and a changeup. Like, and he's 18. The big, the big, you know, at 18 throwing that hard, there is some risk there. There's probably, and I say this just because we talked to we talked to Cal Glazer earlier this year, and we talk about these guys that you know are 18 years old throwing 98, 100. Like, eventually. They're going to blow out that arm, and that certainly is one of the risks you have with with Susanna. Is is eventually he may have to have Tommy John? That's not a death melt anymore, and you guys know that just as much as we do. It delays the development. It delays, you know, the movement for another year. But certainly, um,
2: is 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 a risk that you guys are going to have to deal with, and and I'm but- sure Mike Rizzo knows that but there's a possible counterpoint. He is six foot six. He's got the long levers and the broad shoulders and all this that make it to accelerate a baseball that fast is a little bit easier when you've got that frame. And we don't know how clean his mechanics are. We don't know what kind of condition his body's in. Um, That's something that the evaluators, you know, really have to have a lot of looks at a guy to get a good handle on it. Um, But again, to your point with Mackenzie Gore, even if he does wind up going under the knife and missed in a year, you still have seven years, what six, seven years of of team control of a kid with just top of the scale tools.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, that's that's the that's the haul you guys got. And we're fans. This is what you know, we're fans on top of guys that follow these guys. So you may you may think of somebody that's hyperbole, hyperbole that hyper hyperbole. Hyperbole, you know, God damn don't listen to this Liddy. you're gonna kill me i also can't spell on twitter so if you get a tweet from me and it's misspelled that's in my watermark um you know it's not gonna make it losing a juan soto and you know and a josh bell and hating your gm for it and not making any other moves like that's the thing they they didn't do anything else where they could have moved a michael taylor who i i like michael taylor uh as, as a player um You know, you could have moved other people to to go even deeper into a rebuild, but I think what you guys got here is certainly uh, in a couple of years, because I see Abrams is up now, Gore is up now, Hassel's two years away. I think James Wood is two years away, and Susanna is probably three, probably four, 18, probably four years away, five, you know, depending on health, depending on development. Mm-hmm. depending on how fast they move these guys up but woods should be in high a right now and soon as uh you know as soon as he gets put on an affiliate i'm going to start watching that just to watch his development um it's just one of the things we do with the podcast is we get to know a lot of these guys you know we we did a shirt you know we uh, we did a fundraiser with mckenzie Gore. that was our first fundraiser with with lake elsner booster club where we we uh he had quoted uh dominate the day. and um you know so i had to work with him with that worked with uh, James Wood and, and Jackson Merrill, two guys that they played travel ball together uh, on a, on a shirt to raise funds for adopt a minor leaguer um, and hung out with, you know, got to talk to the guys, show, you know, show them what we were doing. And, uh, you know, I spent the last, you, you're going to hear it pretty quick is the, uh is the interview I had with them. um, Just a solid kid wants to do
2: well. And, um, you know, we're going to follow these guys for the rest of their careers. Right. Okay, so now let's move on to the next deal. So the so, can, at one point, Eric Hosmer was part of this deal that was going to go to the, the Washington Nationals, but then it comes out that they're on his no-trade list, and is he going to waive his no-trade clause? And they're negotiating, and they're are they going to have to sweeten the pot to get him to do it. And then it came out that, no, he's not going to to the Nationals, and Luke Voigt wound up getting put into that deal. Um, so I, Luke Voigt, there's a lot of Padres fans that are a little bit bitter about losing Luke Voigt in this deal. They became uh, It became a bit of a phenomenon around here about the chest lettuce, about the moss <laughs> right. and the, the personality. He's got the whole stone cold thing where after he hits a home run, he goes in and smashes some water bottles together and chugs them. Uh, so the Nationals are getting a, a power hitting DH. They can play some first base. But anyway, moving on to the Eric Hosmer deal. So the Padres and Eric Hosmer... Corey Rozier, Max Ferguson, and $44 million to the Red Sox for Jay groom. Um, so he's uh, a prospect. He's the number 11 prospect, right? So, okay. So Jay groom was a first round draft pick. I think in 2016, he had Tommy John surgery. He's a very large human being, um, and so from a prospect standpoint, it sounds like he's lost some of the the stuff that made him special before Tommy John, and it hasn't quite come back since, uh, but he still has the potential to be kind of a back end starter, maybe a swing man, maybe he comes, becomes a reliever. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed. Disappointed is the wrong word. I'm a little bit bummed to see Corey Rozier and Max Ferguson leave yeah. uh, because those guys Max Ferguson started in Lake Elsinore, made his way up to Fort Wayne. Corey Rozier spent the whole year in Fort Wayne and Corey Rozier has been having a really good year in Fort Wayne. Yeah. Uh, and then Max Ferguson, one of my favorite storylines to follow this year has been the stolen bases. And so I pulled up the, the season, uh, leaderboard as Ruiz still leads all of baseball with 60 stolen bases. And Max Ferguson is in third place right now with 55 Willard Patino of the, of the, uh, Diamondbacks organization has passed him at 58, but still two of the three top base dealers in all of baseball were in yeah. the Padres org. And now they're no longer in the Padres org.
1: Well and Max Ferguson, this is his first year in affiliate ball.
2: Like this, right. this is his first year in yeah. affiliate ball. Um, and, and so in spring, nobody really Max Ferguson right. wasn't a name that anybody knew. And he's put right. his name on the on the, the the board for sure. Yeah. Certainly a second or third round pick. Um the, the funny thing about
1: him is he's smart. Like they had some of the they had some of the rules, you know, in low A up in Lake Elsinore. Um, so what happened was is uh the pitcher threw over and he got back the pitcher not knowing what he just not maybe forgetting the rule or, or just what, whatever happened, he threw over again. Now the new rule that they're testing out in a ball is you can't throw over a third time. So after you throw over once, you better get him that second time or, and that's what he did. He knew after the second throw over that he, he he'd be going on the next pitch. Like he, so he just ran on the next pitch and he stole a bat. Right. And soon as that and he does a lot, he, you know, the bat is, is coming along uh, their bat still kind of lags, you know, average wise, uh, but he has a great plate discipline. He gets a lot of walks and that walk turns into a double because he steals the second base all the time. And he's not afraid to steal third and he steals it on the pitcher. He steals it with the speed. And he's just one of those guys that's going to disrupt people on the base paths. Now he has been playing. He was playing shortstop a lot in Fort Wayne but he was also playing a lot of outfield so he can play both. He can play center field. He can play out, uh, he can play center field. Sorry. He can play shortstop second base. See him at first base as well. Like he's be, could be one of these like multi, multi-utility guys. Uh, and if the bat comes around and this is really his only his first year in affiliate ball, uh, with plenty of room for development, plenty of time for development,
2: uh, he can certainly be, a uh, um, you know, an everyday player. So what was it when he was in high school, he played outfield and then he went, he went to Tennessee and in college, then they asked him to play infield and he learned how to play second, third shortstop. Yep. And then he got drafted and it, we're all thinking about him as an infielder, but no, no, he's been an outfielder most of his life. And he can just, he can do pretty much anything. And it sounds like the speed isn't necessarily like top end, 80 grade speed. Right. It's that he, he knows when to be aggressive. Right. And so he's stealing because of his aggressiveness, not necessarily because of his, his raw speed, yeah. which baseball is kind of the same I- thing that we saw with the story Ruiz. Exactly. The speed is there
1: with him. And there's also the baseball IQ knowing when to do it. You we know, not to do it. Um, and those things are, you can't really teach those. You can't teach speed, obviously, but the, you know, the, the intangibles, the, the baseball IQ is there. So there's lots of, lots to like about Max Ferguson. Corey Rozier, a little bit younger. came out of high school. I think out of Texas. wasn't that Texas he
2: came out of, um, has 13 home runs in high A in his first year in affiliate ball. Yeah. Plays all three outfield positions. Yeah. I think he came from the Mariners in uh, in an offseason trade this last year. I think you're right. Um, so while we're on this topic, okay, so this is the Eric Cosmer trade and the so Padres fans, we were, I personally, I've been ready to see Eric Hosmer leave the Padres one way or another for a while. And I was wondering how they're going to do it. And somebody kind of explained throughout the idea that if they could find a trade and then pay the remainder of his salary, that it would reduce the uh, competitive balance tax hit. And I never really understood that. Uh, but so Madfriars broke it down pretty well so the Padres sent 44 million dollars along with Hosmer which pays his salary for the remainder of this season and all of the next three years through the end of his contract if he had remained on the roster or if he'd been DFA'd the CBT value was the average annual value of the entire contract so you take this 144 million dollars divided by eight years and you get 18.3 million dollars because he was traded that kind of reshot that like starts over. It like creates a break. And so now the Padres are responsible for what I'm sorry, the, uh, the competitive balance tax hit is the remaining three years, $39 million divided by three is $13 million a year. So there's a savings of a little more than $5 million as far as the competitive balance tax is concerned. So the Padres are still paying the money, but it, winds up freeing up a little bit more money for them to be able to spend over the next three years. So now when we're talking about, okay, are they going to try to resign uh, Mike Clevenger? Are they going to try to resign Sean Mania? They need to fill out the pitching rotation. Um, are they going to try to go after an extension with Juan Soto? Um, now that they've just made all these moves, you have right. Josh bell is a rental. Uh, Brandon Drury that we're going to talk about next. He's a rental. He's gone at the end of the year. Um, uh, so there's there's it adds just a little bit more flexibility which 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 is nice
1: it's just a preller being a preller and and rockstar gm (laughs) just you know it's just every time you know as fans of your team you always like the gm is is the is the target right you target that guy he's either a, a a hero or a goat and time and time again you know, as fans, we're like gonna, you know, sometimes it goes Predator's gonna do something, he's gonna do something, and occasionally it doesn't happen. But then he comes through this year, like snow Shamanaya, on the first day of the, you know, the day before the
2: season started. Um, you know, he got he got you darvish for a song for a rental. Well, I mean, not really for a song, there was a pretty good prospect package that they sent, but at the time, those raw, you know, is a, a lot yeah. less than what people were saying it would take to get you darvish.
1: Right. And so as Padres fans, you see, you know, the the, well, the Padres are the favorite for Juan Settle. It's very much a media-driven, uh, I think, narrative. And certainly they know what they're talking about. They know that we need an outfielders. We, you know, They know that the Rockstar GM can do it, and he usually does do it. But as fans, we don't know. And you never know. And we have that stinking blue team up in the north that always comes in. The last year, it was Max Scherzer. Like Ken Rosenthal. Padres are about, re- you know, are, are close to finding, you know, close to training for Max Scherzer. We're like, hell yeah, let's go. Oh, my
2: God. rock star! And then the rug got pulled out from under us. And then the boop, boop, boop. like Lucy with the football and Charlie Brown. Oh, my God. So now this year I was already prepared. Like, nope, I'm not buying any of this. I kind of talked myself into it a few days ago that he's going to go to the Cardinals and because they can put together a better prospect package and they've got the money and this and that. <sighs> fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Not going to fool me again. Absolutely.
1: <sighs> so, you know, we, this has happened and we are still as fans. And I think the whole fan, can speak for the whole fan base is like, yeah, that's Preller being Preller. That's what he does. He he pulls a rabbit out of a hat. He pulls a rhinoceros out of a thimble. Like it just right.
2: and plenty of these just, have missed. Yeah, right. he sent some good players up to Seattle, including Ty France, and got back Austin Nola. And Austin Nola has been. Okay. He's been doing a good job. He's not quite what we all had hoped. Meanwhile, Ty France goes on and he's an all-star this year. He's the the stud hits for power hits for average playing great defense at first base. And we're like, Oh, and then we look over what we have at first base. Kind of, I wish we could have had a do-over on that one. (laughs) So they're not all winners, but you look at what happened today. And like every single one of these trades makes sense for the team right now. And for the immediate future.
1: Absolutely. So then moving on to the Jake room. So we got Jake room. And the Brandon Drury, like, I, it's like this 240, like 230. I'm like, okay, let's look at Twitter again. Game's going on. We're winning. Good. What the hell? Brandon Drury. Liddy's like, who is that? I'm like, I, I, I thought he was a pitcher. I was thinking of, uh, I was thinking of another Drury. I uh, <laughs> look at Brandon Drury. He's having a career, a little bit older guy, having a career year um plays a lot of in you know plays a, one of those super utility guys can play outfield can play infield um spells you know a host on kim or um even a jerickson Profar on occasion so there's going to be some fight for some playing time i think there because the trade deadline is over but we've added this guy i think you can you can put him in the uh in the dh spot
2: yes you know. that's what i'm looking at so okay so he was so Preller was hoping to send Eric Hosmer to the nationals that didn't happen. And then they wound up taking Luke Voigt instead. And it sounds like there were kind of like contingency plans. Like if this doesn't happen, if Hosmer doesn't exercises, no wave, no trade clause, then this is the guy that you're going to get instead. Okay. Well now that opens up a void. We have a DH spot. That's open. Power hitting righty, righty hitter now. Okay. Brandon Drury, right-handed hitter he's already got 20 home runs on the season so he kind of takes the void that that void left as a dh the power hitting righty but also he plays pretty much every position on the diamond yeah. and who's the guy on the roster right now that can can do that matthew batten but he's the end of the roster guy you're like late right. inning dip. but now you've got a guy that can dh and do all that stuff so I've seen him kind of taking both of those roles on the roster, kind of actually giving the roster more flexibility, because now rather than having a utility guy and a guy that's a bat only, you got you got the best of both,
1: both best of both. And, and we love Matthew, Bat. we've had we've had him on a podcast. We've you know, we he's done incredibly well in triple A. Uh, In the Pacific Coast League, it's kind of tough to evaluate talent, and I think this is the same case with every team that has a team in the Pacific Coast League. Like You can hit 400 in the Pacific Coast League and come up to the major leagues and just stink. It's just that difference in, I think, elevation, I think where they play, also obviously with the quality of pitching uh, and play in the major leagues. Uh, But Matthew, we love him a lot. I think he's going to get another opportunity. Um, I'm not sure if he's a free agent at the end of this year. But if he is, I'm sure he's going to get another opportunity with another team. And he could be a everyday
2: journeyman type player if you give him the chance. I think of somebody like Jace Peterson he's wound up going on to have a nice long career can play all around the place. Um, just a steady, consistent guy that does everything well. Uh, but Brandon Drury, if you go back in his career and he came into the league in 2015, uh, with the, with the diamondbacks and he kind of was that guy early in his career, got on base, had a little bit of slug. Uh, but then the last couple of years, he's just unlocked a whole different level. Um, so this year he's batting 274, getting on base at a 335 clip slugging 520, which is way over anything he's done in the past so maybe the the power is reflecting a little bit on the parks that he's played in he's coming from cincinnati great american ballpark is a band box all the nl central ballparks are known to play a little bit smaller uh but even if that power is a little bit of a mirage he's not a like super fly ball hitter he's a line drive hitter yeah uh so i i think the bat is gonna gonna play um so you have a little write-up here if you want to run down that
1: Yeah, so the right of hitting Drury, (laughs) who will turn 30 on August 21, can play third base, second base at both corner outfield spots, has mashed lefty pitching this season, slashing 309, 346, 670 with nine homers and 97 at-bats. He's hitting 274, 335, 520 with 20 homers and 92 games overall.
2: Right. Now, so he has played. He has played shortstop this year. Um, He hasn't played center field in his major league career, but yeah, all around the end, he's played first base too. So you can put him anywhere. And that's what, uh, that's what, you know, during the post game, they were talking to, uh, to Bob Melvin about, you know, what can you do with these guys? And he's trying to say, well, I need to focus on this other game that we have going on today, but you can tell that in the back of his mind, he's been swirling about, okay, what can I do with these guys? What kind of different lineups can we put together? Um, cause now you've got balance between righties and lefties. You bring in Josh Bell, that's a switch hitter. You've got jerks and That's a switch hitter. Uh, and it, it really makes for a, a whole bunch of different things you can do with the lineup, both offensively and defensively.
1: Well, and, and if you listen to us, so right before we started, uh, at 530 was the pod, it was the uh, presser for it. Sorry, was the presser for AJ Preller. And he talked about talking to Bob, letting him know what's going on, let him know what he's trying to do. Um, and so Bob, he's like, he threw out some kind of some lineups, kind of tweaking with it, working with it. And, and he said something like, Bob was like, yeah, I can, I can work with this. <laughs> I can I can work with a Juan Soto. I can work with a Josh Bell. Like we can get all these guys plenty of playing time, um, and that must be fun as a manager. Uh, you you guys that are listening here that maybe you know not be fans of the Padres or whatever, um, we've had succession of succession of brand new managers going all the way back to Bruce Bochy. Um, Bruce Bochy was a was a first year manager. Um, and spent a long time here with the old ownership. the last two managers we've had when Jay Stingler and Andy Green are brand new managers and I understand the kind of team that that we are that you know that that they wanted to give these guys a shot. you know there's not a lot of not a lot of stress. we're always in rebuilding mode um but it just doesn't work out so when you get a player when you get a manager like like a, a you know a like Bo Mel, like Bob Melvin. Like, you just like, you got, you got someone that's going to be, uh, you know, uh, just a calming force. You know, this early this season, we've been, in this past few weeks, actually, we had not been playing so well. You know, and there's been a lot of rumblings about, well, what's going on, what's going on. Um, through that, you have a manager who goes, eh, this is, you know, we're not playing well. And he's been very frank about it in the presses after the games. He's like, wait, hey, we got to play better. We got to tighten up the defense and we got to hit better. He keeps these guys accountable, but in a way that's professional. And that you understand that he knows what you guys are going through as a player and what what he needs to get done as a manager. And that's huge. That's huge. Um, With last year, with Chase Tingler, when the team wasn't doing so well, there became some dissension a little bit in the clubhouse. You know, all that prestige value with Eric Cosmer, I kind of just was thrown out the window because he wasn't dealing with it. And Chase Tingler being a new manager, you know, maybe a little intimidated with these with these high dollar players, with these guys that are established maybe didn't know how to address those things. Maybe didn't know what to do uh, and kind of let it fester. And we went on a, on a historic collapse. Right. So you have Bo Mel with, with like all the toys. He has all the toys. He's like, never had a roster like this to play with. Uh, Could you imagine just like anyone would really, like, Oh my God, you know, it, it's, it's insane.
2: It's really insane. It really is.
0: Uh,
2: okay. okay. So, so I- one other thing that makes me so with Bob Melvin, if if you're a young player and you're going through one of your first slumps of your career, say you're Jake Cronenworth, you have a really good rookie campaign, and then you're going through this season where he kind of he started off real slow. Real slow. And if you've got Jace Tingler looking at you going, I believe in you. I believe that you can still, you know, you're you're fine. You're going, well, who does this guy? This he's a rookie manager. What does he know? How, how, how much are you going to buy into that? But when you've got Bob Melvin with 20 years of managing experience saying, look, I've, I've seen this before. What you're doing is working. It's just the results aren't happening. Just stick with it work through it. It gives you a little bit more confidence. Like, Okay. This guy believes in me and, and you, it gives you the confidence to continue working through it rather than letting yeah. the, the doubt seep in.
1: And what happened was, is Jake, Jake stayed in the lineup and he made the all-star game. <laughs> he made the all-star game. Yeah, we got about we got about nine minutes left. Um, before this meeting goes again. Apparently, I only have 40. god, I don't know how long we've talked. We've talked for a long time. Um, I want to real quick before we, we pass it off to James Wood, um, just talk about, you know, every trade deadline, every professional player, you know, that hears their names on, on Twitter, on in the media. Um, there's that anxiety. I think um Mike Hammond tweeted it earlier, and I'm sure I heard some of it today. I didn't I didn't get a chance to listen to any of um um, Adam Jones has been coming on our local radio station, uh, every Tuesday and doing a couple segments, talking about the game, talking about what's going on. He talked a lot about what was happening when the team was struggling, uh, how you deal with that as a player. And as a coach, um, when we're talking about the, the stress of, of what's going on with these, the minor league guys, Um uh, when I was Sunday, I went out to talk to James Wood, Jackson Merrill's parents were there and uh you know through the damage duo campaign that we've had i've been able to contact those guys through twitter and dm them and talk to them and get to know them so they show up and after james we wrapped up with james he wouldn't say hello because they have known each other real well i went to talk to them and they're like yeah it's it, you know it's stressful it's stressful as a parent we love the padre organization um talking to to james's mom we love the potways organization. It's a great organization. Um, and but there's anxiety there. And you heard it from Robert Hassel when he's doing his interview with the Tim Caps. It, you know, it's like duck on water to the media, certainly, but inside you there's anxiety. There's like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Now I got traded. What the hell is, you know, there's this anxiety with with
2: not only the minor league guys and the prospects, but with the major league guys, because they see it. Right. And I look at a guy like Nelson Lamette, and he was signed with the Padres back in what, 2014, I want to say it was yeah, 2013, maybe. Um, and so he's spent his entire adult life with the Padres organization. You know, every coach, every trainer, every teammate has been you know, it's a family at, at a certain point. And now he's got to he's got to pull up his roots and go you know, find a new, a new future in this case with the brewers organization. And that's, that's not easy for anybody. Right. right. It's almost a Wilmer Flores situation. Right. Right. So we did, we skipped a little bit. So we mentioned Brandon Drury. He was traded. The Padre sent Victor Acosta shortstop. He's one of the more electric young talents that the Padres have had in their organization. He just started making his debut in the Arizona Summer League this morning or this this summer, making putting up some good numbers, uh, impressing people, but he's, he's young and incredibly talented. And then the last deal, uh, the Padres sent outfielder Brent Rooker, who they got from the Twins before the season. Uh, they sent him to the Royals for catcher Cam Gallagher. And Cam Gallagher is kind of a career journeyman for a catcher uh that tells me that gives them a little bit more depth in case something were to happen to nola or a you have an experienced defense first catcher that's ready in AAA to step in who's got some major league experience that's what that tells me so that if something happens they aren't calling up luis campusano and whatever question marks come up with him they're calling up somebody who can keep the stability you know keep the the pitching staff on the the straight right. level
1: right it would be nice to see maybe if cam uh cam can maybe do a little mentoring uh down there. I know Webster Rebus was the was a back of catcher for a while down there. Now he's in double A, but maybe Cam a Gallagher could come over and you know mentor some of the finer things that you know that campus Center really has to work on. Um, right. To 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 become a you know a top you know become a major leaguer really.
2: And they do have Brett Sullivan that's also on the 40 man roster. Uh he's down in El Paso. He's more of a bat first but catcher first base type. So there's good depth at the catcher position right now in the Padres organization. Absolutely. Well, So we have talked an awful lot, Um, but what we haven't talked about is the Chipotle gift cards. Yes. Oh my God. See, we we got five minutes left. So here's your time to tell us about that.
1: Well, I I gave the cards away. So what we do here is do with the damage duo campaign was we sold, did a picture with, with, uh, with Jackson Merrill and James Wood. We sold a bunch of merch, Uh, Every penny of it went towards this. Uh, Well, we gave $300 to adopt a minor leaguer. um, And the campaign was paid for by the rest of the fans throughout the country um, that just, you know, that support adopt a minor leaguer. I was able to go there, give uh, $30, $20 gift cards to, uh, to the Stockton Ports, which is the low A affiliate of the Oakland A's. I'm sure they're appreciative of that. They were very appreciative of, I gave them a little speech about adopt a minor leaguer for you guys that are listening. Still go check out adopt a minor leaguer, spread that news in your online communities. It is a huge resource. Then I went over to the, you know, after talking to the Merrill family, almost to the game time, um, I ran on the field and gave the cards, I got with Terrence and gave the cards and took some pictures. But those guys mentioned uh, about adopt a minor leaguer. And one of the new guys in the bullpen is like, yeah, I do it. So he gets sponsored by someone uh, from adopt a minor leaguer. Is he um, the indie ball guy, the the older? No, the guy was right. I, I'm not sure. The guy next to him was the tall guy. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember his name, but I, I think he was the indie ball guy. So okay. what adopt a minor leaguer does is they they connect fans with with minor league players that want to be sponsored. And sponsorship is, is can be anything but a gift bag every month, every week. Um, it, it can be cash. When we had Chandler Sigurd, Lydia and I, we spend like 150 bucks a month. Now, 150 bucks a month to us, to you. I mean, I mean, it's a lot of money. Don't do not get me wrong. I am a food service manager. 150 bucks. I had to make some choices, you know, but to him, it's a lot. It was huge. And when we talked to him on the podcast, he was like, oh, my God, I made such a difference. So that's what he does. Um, with Adopt a Minor leaguer on top of these Chipotle gift card giveaways. Uh, we do it here for for the storm. He has several other people. Um, he just did Winston Salem and the other, another team. I can't remember who they were. But if they were to pay the decent wage, we wouldn't need Adopt a Minor leaguer We wouldn't have to raise funds. I would sell these t-shirts and and use to, you know, to to support another charity or some other way to support minor leaguers, but since Major League Baseball does not treat these guys like the commodities that they are, are they treat them like commodities and not like you know, the professionals that they are? We have to do things like this. We have to have adopt a minor leaguer. We have to have advocates for minor leaguers and more about baseball. So, you guys that are still listening to this that don't you know that are other fan bases, look those organizations up, support them if you can, and talk about them on your podcast. Talking about them on your blogs. Um, spread the word, because if you love the minor leaguers as much as we do, it would be easy to do. It, it's easy to do.
2: Now, I understand the balance. You, uh, you're you you're going to pass that along to Terrence Tucker, who runs Strikeout for a Cause, and there's going to be something involving both them and the team that's going to benefit everybody, right? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then with the rest of the money that we did have, I was able to buy five
1: buckets. That's about was it like 500 packages of sunflower seeds and three buckets of double bubble, which was like 1,300 pieces. So with a minute and 34 seconds left, that's what we did. And we raised about, <laughs> not about 900 bucks. Uh, right now, I have $67 in the, in the account. Um, I told the Merrill family, what I'll probably do is if we do it again next year, um, you know, that 67 bucks will go towards whatever we do. And ironically enough, we had 100 bucks left over. or we had 100 bucks from... The uh, The uh, Weathers Report shirts that we did with Ryan Weathers a couple of years ago. So you guys that are still listening to this podcast that don't listen to us normally that are from other affiliates. These are some of the things that we do just because we love to do it and we want to support minor league baseball. We want to support our guys and we want to support minor league baseball as a whole. So with that, I'm going to give you the interview that I had with James Wood. Enjoy that player. He's a solid dude. It's a real fun interview and stay tuned for that. Well, hey, I'm here at the Diamond talking to James Wood, uh, one half of the Diamond 2 James, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, sweating, dude. It is hot. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes,
1: sir. You know, you're known as a, cute, <laughs> a cool cucumber. I am not, and I am <laughs> sweating up here. Uh, so let's we'll start with, like, growing up. Who, who got you into baseball?
0: Um... It was really like some family friends. I think I started around like first grade. It was like a little I think it was um it was just like a regular just house league like any other any other baseball league I guess really. I started I did start out pretty young, like first First grade, I think I started playing. Probably like five or six years old.
1: I got a pretty young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so growing up in Maryland, did you uh, did you grow up uh, an Orioles fan or a Nationals fan?
0: I was a Yankees fan. Ah, see, I had on your Bostoner <laughs> <Yeah. or> Yankees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: what I was I looked at your hometown and I put uh-huh. the approximate of where. Okay, could be yeah, a Nationals be an Orioles. My dad's
0: from Long Island, so me, me, and my sisters, we all kind of we all kind of strayed away from mom. My mom was an Orioles fan. We followed my dad, so. Oh, oh, yeah. your mom, and your mom's an O's fan? Yeah, my mom's from Baltimore.
1: Oh, geez, she much be stoked right now how the way they're playing. But then, kind of sad at just overall. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, they've been struggling for a little bit. My
1: uh, my wife's from Long Island, so really, yeah, she uh, she grew up in Port Washington. Okay, right across the river.
0: Yeah, my dad's from East Hampton, so he's he's towards the end, but okay,
1: yeah. Um, so then, as a Yankees fan, who was your favorite player growing up?
0: Growing up, uh, it was probably like Curtis Granderson because I was—I probably started really following the Yankees in, like probably 2009, like when they won the World Series, yeah. and like Granderson was there a little bit after, I think like 2012, 2013. So he was—he was, he was my favorite player on those teams for sure. Yeah, I
1: love I love games. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've been following him Great on Instagram, man. and it was, I think it's, i want to say CBA, but you know his his. It, uh, Kind of his uh, what he's doing over there in Chicago. I mean, he's in Chicago, right? Doing doing still a lot of indoor stuff, and I just I just love players that can give back.
0: Yeah, for sure. And
1: it's just he's a great player. Um, so do you style your game after him?
0: No, I I kind of just just kind of played my own game. Really, I never really. I mean, obviously, it would have my favorite players, but. I never really tried to model myself after anybody. Kind of just wanted to be myself out there.
1: Nice, nice. Uh, so when did you realize? You know, you play little league, you played in Maryland. Uh, when did you realize it can kind of be? You know, just you could take this a little bit further.
0: That's a good question. I, I I don't know if I could really tell you. I think like when it really started to like hit me, it was probably like the summer, like going into my senior year of high school. Like before that, when like. Sort of like the draft noise started getting like real big and all that, I guess.
1: And that's when you were in IMG, yeah?
0: Uh yeah, that was that was after my junior year there. Yeah, I'm going in yeah, I'm going in my senior so year. So how did that
1: happen? You're in here in Maryland. Do they scout you? Do you know someone that knows them? Or how does that work? How do you get to move from you know, from Maryland down to Florida?
0: Um <sighs> I think it was like my dad. He knew he had a friend down there, like for with basketball. So I guess we were just able to get in touch like that way. And they must have saw some video or or something, and, and they were interested. So it ended up working out.
1: And that's just a regular high school focused on sports at a higher level, yeah. Yeah. So you were to actual school in mm-hmm. the dorms.
0: Yeah, dorms. Yeah, it was like a boarding. Yeah, boarding school, all that. Yeah.
1: And the thing about that, I was I. Was telling, I, I so you yeah. must have had, like, a house mom or, like, someone that watched you. Guys it was, was kind of like co- It was
0: like a lot like college, really. Like, we would have, like, um, I'm blanking on what they call them in college. Um, well, dorms. They Yeah, like, you yeah, 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 would have, like, RAs. Yeah. RA, yeah, there you go. Yeah, like, RAs would be around, too. Like, yeah, it's a lot like college, really. You got
1: to kind of sneak around those guys. Do <laughs> <laughs> a little bit.
0: Well, so I work for a
1: university, so I, I'm, uh-huh. I'm really familiar with the dorm life and, and college life. Yeah. Um. So, then, so, so there, um, did you play, you were Bradenton, right? So did you, did you play any games in any the spring training? I think the
0: Phillies are there. Uh, are no, I, no, I never never got the chance. I, I would always, we would watch a few, like, because um, the American Conference, like the championship there would be at the Phil, uh, Phillies facility. Okay. So we would, we would go there. I went there a few times. Um uh, there's 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 a lot of complexes around that area. I went to Dunedin because I, I heard about their new facility. I, I saw a game there. I actually saw Manoa. Um, Mino- that was the first time I saw Alex Manoa pitch. So that was, and he was pitching against the Yankees, and he he, he kind of he carved that day. So I was like. I was like, who is this dude? And he's like, Oh, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Cool.
1: Um, but you've never had a chance. So, so with the IMG, do you play states, or are you in, like, you know, cause it's an elevated school. Are yeah. You, you play regular high schools? Or how does that work? Um,
0: it's, it's a little bit of both. Like, we, we, could, we couldn't really play in the state championship, because, like, whatever I can't remember exactly what it is that kept us from doing it but we would go to like a fair share of like tournaments and like tech I think we went to Texas Georgia and like Alabama okay. my senior year so yeah we, we would travel a lot play a lot of teams that way do they, you know, you know, a lot of a lot of
1: those guys don't necessarily get drafted for for pros, but they do go to college. Yeah. Do they do they do a lot of up, like height, like college prep classes? Are they kind of advanced yeah. learning there as well? Yeah.
0: No, they do. They do a really good job of getting people ready for. I mean, just the next level in general, whatever it is, whether it's college or, or professional baseball. Do Do you
1: have like a media training, or even just like how it to be like in the minor leagues, or
0: even in college? I mean, we would, we have like a media guy, so like. I don't it wasn't really I guess you yeah, you could say like media training really, honestly, yeah. Gonna
1: let weird guys from podcasts like, you know, <laughs> Be wary of those dudes. Um so who else who else got drafted in your class?
0: Um, from IMG. Yeah. Uh Mason Albright and then Drew Gray and then Drake Varnado he got drafted but he didn't he didn't sign, so it was uh-huh. Drew Gray and Mason Albright were the two that signed, and we, we faced Mason Albright a little earlier this year. He was with Inland Empire. So.
1: Catch up with him, isn't that kind of cool? How, how small yeah. the, the yeah. Community, community is. Yeah, he's
0: from Maryland too, so that's always, yeah. Did so you play ice
1: against him in Maryland?
0: No, I, I never got the chance there. But I, It was funny because we, we would play each other all the time when we were like 12 and 13, and <laughs> yeah. Like, because the two teams we were on, we were we, we would just play each other all the time. So I, was, I ended up playing him a bunch of times, and that was that was back when he was a hitter too. So that was pretty funny too.
2: <laughs> well, you know,
1: that's that's kind of thing. I, in, in my rec league, I, I play on a team, but when it comes to tournaments, it's it's a guys mall all my division. That yeah. I play against. So it kind <laughs> of becomes like a, a competition, and a kind of bragging rights. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a little bit.
1: What um, so in he, his right, Yeah. Did you get him or did he get you?
0: Um, I mean, i i I got one, one for three off him, but honestly, the hit was it <laughs> it's like a little dribbler to like third base. Uh, I would say he got me, he got me more than I got him. But in the
1: book, though, it's a sharp line drive. Yeah, yeah, it counts the same. <laughs> so yeah. So what, what what attracted you to to Mississippi State? To Mississippi State, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it was really just like the fans, the atmosphere, and like the coaches. I really, I really just loved the environment there. Did
1: you think anyone else? Was anyone else? at any other colleges or?
0: Um, there, yeah, there's like a few other schools, but like Mississippi State was was you know, by far like my favorite. Uh, I really just when I went there, I, I I was able to see a super regional game, so. I saw that, and it was it, it made it a lot easier, really.
1: It was on. They're constantly in. Yeah. In the in the college world yeah. series. yeah. All right, so you got Maryland, you got Florida, you got Mississippi. What is it with you and humidity?
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's warm weather. I can't I can't really avoid it. I guess.
1: So then, what are your thoughts on snow?
0: Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. Yeah, right. I hate snow. It's it's cool for like the first day, like when it when it like looks all pretty, but then like it gets shoveled and it's like all on the side of the road and it gets dirty and it's, it's just I'm not a big fan, really. It's,
1: it's nasty. Dude. Yeah, I grew up in San Diego. and It's just not.
0: yeah, no. Nah, I'm not a fan.
1: Right. I visited my mom as a as a sixth grader in Minnesota for Christmas. Ugh. And yeah. like ever since then, like I don't do skiing, I do <laughs> snowboarding, yeah. no, like never. everything is still looks good on television. Uh huh. All right, so you played basketball and you played baseball. how how did playing basketball kind of help you improve our healthy game playing baseball?
0: I mean, I think it's it really helped me like become like the athlete I am today. Whether it's like running, changing directions, like even jumping, just in general, just like it's it's a lot of things that like. That I probably don't even realize like that playing basketball just really helped me out with baseball.
1: It right. also kind of gives you a break from baseball. Yeah, in these days everyone's like. You yeah. high school ball. It's when tough you're playing, playing. Yeah, year, year round, like year whole, Yeah, and a lot. Of, I think a lot of kids get burnt out. Yeah, for like sure. Just playing so much, having to push you, push you, push you. Yeah. Out. So getting a different look and, and kind of another skill set, I, I think is really good. for Yeah,
0: it's for play. sure really important. Yeah. Plus,
1: AJ Preller, he's a basketball guy.
0: He yeah. <laughs> plays some high level basketball. Have you yeah. played with him yet? No, I've I've heard a lot of <laughs> stories though. I, I've heard he's I've heard he's the real deal. So it's
1: it's kind of he's kind of a legend in San Diego. Like people <laughs> like, dude, who's here? You know, or yeah. some post on Twitter, some short guy was out here playing. Said his name was AJ Pro. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's an spring training dude? You'll like
0: uh huh. They, they, they get they get in there early though. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I could if I could if I could beat them there though. They get they get in there early to get the yeah. They play a lot too. So I
1: heard he, like in spring training he's at four a.m. games like. Yeah. Dude, that's
0: yeah. I don't know. Middle of spring training. I don't know. First week right. maybe mini camp. I might be able to get out there a game or two. But towards the end, I don't. I don't know.
1: All right, dude. Let's talk. Uh, let's, let's talk drafting. So you had a pretty good idea that you were getting drafted, yeah?
0: Um, yeah. I, I think I obviously knew it was like a it was a possibility, but I think like it was it was up in the air for a little bit. So.
1: Did you guys have uh do you have all your family there? Are we just not doing um, nothing?
0: Um it was just like my like my immediate family, like my sisters, grandma, dad, mom, not nothing too crazy. But
1: so you got the spread? Did you guys have a cater or nothing like that? Did anyone cook?
0: Nah, I can't even remember honestly. <laughs> I can't even you I could not tell Like you you. two years
1: ago. <laughs> yeah, it, feel, it feels like forever
0: ago. Feels like a long time ago. I can't even tell you. Time yeah, it went by quick. It's already a year, so
1: so they call your name, and I'm sure they call you. Obviously they call you before, mm-hmm. and the, the deal's in in place. They call your name. Just did the house erupt?
0: Uh, it was yeah. We were just relieved. We were just like yeah, just like thank God. Just, yeah, it all it all ended up working out in the end. It was it was just it was a real stressful like month, just few months heading into the dress. It was, yeah, we were just happy it all worked out, happy it ended well. And,
1: so were you doing showcases, or you just kind of staying home, staying um, sharp?
0: For the most part, I was, like, I was I was in Florida for a little bit, like, a little bit after the school year. And then, like, I did, I went home, kind of just, like, relaxed a little bit. I, I had a few workouts, I, I went to those and all that. So it, it wasn't too crazy, I was just, like, I was, I was working out, obviously, like, right. just making sure I'm, like, yeah, just... Ready for yeah whatever whatever will, will come up showcases or workouts all, all kinds of stuff.
1: So you know it's it is stressful. It's a big decision, right? Like, yeah, for sure. You, you're, you're betting on yourself in one way, and I'm sure there's money involved, obviously. But like you know, education is huge, and I'm sure yeah. education is huge in your house, where it's like suddenly you, you, you know your parents saying something <laughs> like you know you got to make your decision, but. Did like, they really help you with that decision?
0: Um, yeah. I think I think they obviously like guided me, like for sure. But like at the end of the day, I think they did a really good job of just like staying really neutral and just like letting it be like my own decision, not really put like sticking their heads into it. Like obviously, like I said, like they guided me a lot and they they helped me a ton throughout the process. But at the end of the day, they kind of just let it be my decision. And,
1: so kind um, of helped your uh, helped. having your dad play yeah. play professional sports. Yeah. Yeah, for sure right after they called her name did you say like alright now the work real, now the real work starts <laughs> yeah yeah. you got a job you got, a job. One little, you got yeah, a job yeah
0: yeah that too so yeah like obviously like the draft is like it's a big deal it's a huge accomplishment but really it's like the, it's only the beginning of like your professional journey so
1: alright so you walk in, you walk in the clubhouse what were your thoughts there? What what would you feel like walking? in? You know, there's still when there when you get there, like mm-hmm. treated after the draft or whatever. But when you see guys like Manny Machado walking in, Fernando Tatis, you know, and all these guys that you spent your you know spent the last few years watching play, mm-hmm. like what was that feeling
0: like? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of just like like damn, it's like it's kind of real, I guess. Like yeah, like. I mean, but, yeah, was, yeah, for sure, for sure cool, but, yeah, I just hope to be playing with those guys, like, one day and all, all that stuff, so.
1: Did you get a chance, this, this last spring training, did you get a chance to talk to any of those guys or play with them a little bit?
0: Um, I was able to. I, I I was able to talk to uh, Tatis a little bit, like when I was rehabbing and all that, and okay. he was he was down there in Arizona for a few days too, so I was able to meet him, which was pretty neat. So,
1: and, and it really it's really helpful when. Just like I've had to talk to other pitchers that were in, were in Peoria when mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chris Paddock was rehabbing. Yeah. I and mean, like, just talking to a guy that's been through it like, meant so much to me to be able to say, because like, you don't know. I mean, even if it was a small, minor injury for you, you don't yes. know what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so to go into the offseason, how did your uh, preparation from last year into this year did it change? Uh, where did you still? it?
0: Um, I kind of just, like, I was I was in Arizona a lot. I was I was at the complex for, like, work out. Work, just working out there for the most part was, I think I was there, t- I want to say two months in the off-season, so just working with the coaches there, building good relationships there, and just improving there a lot was, was a big help for sure.
1: Right in between the snowy time, right?
0: Yeah, I'll go home for, like, I think Christmas, obviously, like, the holidays yeah. and all that, like, a little longer, and then... It was a little longer too before, um, like before we got sent out from mini camp too. So, um,
1: so, what, so did you have a certain focus going into into that offseason? Was it just strength and conditioning?
0: Um, no, I think like my my biggest goal really like going into this season was I just wanted to be able to like stay on the field and like to be healthy, but like obviously that that kind of didn't go as planned. Like as early as like second second or third game, but. It, it is what it is. You gotta just like worry about what you control uh, can control, and as long as um I was just yeah, just I went back to Arizona for a little bit, just got everything under control there, and was able to get back here as, as soon as possible. So, now, do you
1: drive out there, or do they fly you out there?
0: Um, uh, let me think. I want to say I flew out. I flew out there, flew back. Yeah, I flew out there both times. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't I don't drive yet, so I don't have a car. So you don't drive yet? No.
2: Yeah, you're in Maryland. You're in Florida. Yeah, we I
0: was. Uh, really. <laughs> yeah. I was. I wasn't <laughs> home for too long, so I wasn't able to get get things under control there. But it is what it is. Right,
1: right, right, right. Yeah. So uh, this last offseason, you got yeah. together back with Coach Griffin, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah, for a little bit, for like not too. long. I wish it could have been longer, but yeah, for sure. It was. I think ended up being a little less than a week.
1: Okay. So then, to this year you wanted to just stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's kind of move right into the season. So, like, I was here in one of those games where you got called on a time violation, <laughs> and, yeah. and, I, saw, and I, was, I was in the camera well, and they're like, "You're like, yeah, what? like you're yeah, out because you had two strikes on you, yeah, you had to strike, it. It's a strike, right? yeah. Uh, did did the league tell you guys? Was it posted, or like, did you guys know, or did you just?
0: Yeah, I think. I can't remember when it started, but, like, I know earlier, like, the first few weeks in the season, like, they would have the clocks up, but, it, like, they weren't really enforcing it yet, but later in the season, they started, too, and, like, obviously, like, it was a little bit, like, getting used to, honestly, getting used to the bases, too, even, like, yeah. when I was here, I, like, went back to Arizona, and, like, the, the other, like, the normal size base, like, looked, like, like this big.
1: Oh, Dosa. it. Uh, yeah. It.
0: Little little pizza boxes. Yeah, I got three pizza boxes out there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll see how to do in a little bit. (laughs) The the Merrill family is here. stop by. so, the, but they did let you go. They did let you, you guys know,
0: right, that that was happening. Yeah.
1: Um, so, so what do you think of that? What, what do you think? Was it nine? I think it's nine seconds. You have to get back in the box in nine, yeah,
0: nine seconds. Yeah,
1: nine seconds. What do you, you think of the pitch clock? What do you think of, of the, the hitter's clock? I
0: mean, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like, for me, it it doesn't make a whole lot of of a difference because, I, like, I I got pretty used to getting back in there pretty quick. But I think like. I'm not, I don't know. I just think there's sometimes, like, in the situation, like, in certain situations, like, the game kind of calls for it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you don't, yeah. Like, some. It, it's, it goes both ways. I think sometimes it's good, like, obviously, like, speeding up the games a little bit. But I think, like, bottom of the ninth, like, two strides, like, three, two count, like, I might I might want a little <laughs> a little extra time. If I already use my timeout, I might need a little extra time to, like, get my thoughts or what not. Right, and,
1: and kind of the same thing with, with the pitchers. Like, yeah, like sometimes they don't
0: even have time to really shake off or anything, so it's it's tough sometimes. I remember
1: when, when MLB that was, first started out, they were playing games back from the 60s, and pitch got thrown, ball thrown back, mm-hmm. pitch got thrown. Yeah. Like, it was like bap, bap, bap. It was real fast. But now mm-hmm. obviously the game has changed, and, and there's so much more involved in, in going. In, in everything. Yeah, it's so so just Olivia, mass.
0: Chess match, so yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so, how's tech help? How, how's tech help you with your uh, yeah, with making adjustments this season?
0: Um, I think the technology is like really nice. Just just going up there, like first at bat, just say like this dude today. I've been really, I never faced him, but I've I like a good idea of like what what how he will most likely attack me. Like what his pitches do, so. It, it's a big help, for sure, especially, like, when you really haven't seen a guy that much and all that. So.
1: so you have been here for a while. You've seen a lot of these pitchers, and they've seen a lot of you. Have you noticed them pitching you differently, or you
0: can of have an idea now Um a better approach? It's a, it really depends on the team. Like, like obviously, like, some certain teams will have, like, their certain philosophies. So, like, usually, like, depending on the week, like, I'll, I'll – I'll have an idea of, like, how I'm going to be pitched, too, and whatnot. So.
1: Well, what I noticed was, at the beginning of the season, they were throwing you low and in, low and in. Mm-hmm. And you were swimming over a couple of those pitches, but soon after that, I saw you you started taking walks. So, mm-hmm. one game, did you could walk, like, three times? Yeah, I like think it was pitching. a
0: few weeks ago, I walked I walked four times in one game. I, was, I, I don't even think I took the bat off my shoulders for any of them, but it is what it is, just take the walks so on we like on base here so you gotta be patient i mean eventually they'll, they'll give you something to hit too so
1: they don't put you on you're still bag.
0: <laughs> yeah that too
1: so you got 15 bags this year is that uh do you have a goal going into the season or you just want to
0: um 20 20 was one of the goals 20 bags for sure but i think i think we could Sure, push a little twenty-five. Maybe <laughs> we'll see, right, but right. I don't know. We'll see.
1: All right. So I've seen I've seen several of your home runs. We just talked about that low inside pitch. Most guys pull those pull those pitches. I see you hitting them to center and left center. Is that you just allowing the ball to get deeper in the zone, or, or uh, what's your approach there?
0: Um. Usually, I just I just want to be on time for the fastball and try and put a good swing on it and usually as long as I hit it hard I'm not too concerned about where it goes whether it's opposite field center field <laughs> or pool so. Dude,
1: I, I've, I've seen a couple of tanks, and it's like holy cow you know. Um, how, how is working with uh, with Coach uh, O'Sullivan?
0: Um, we love Pat here yeah. And Pat he, he keeps it real simple and and yeah, Pat, I, I love him with Pat. He, he's he's great. He's been a big help, for you know, sure.
1: It's funny. We're uh, we're looking to move, per potentially to move to Clarksville, where he's from. Really? I'm dying to talk to him just to have an <laughs> interview on my hands. What's Clarksville about? Uh-huh. Do you want to talk it's to like, no, I want to hear about Clarksville. <laughs> uh, it's just north of uh, Nashville.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. Tennessee fun
1: Um. Okay, so let's, let's, uh, we're, let's kind of move on. We're almost done here. you super chill and you're really relaxed, and I see that on the field. Everyone really sees on the field at the plate. Where did that kind of like ice in your veins, kind of devil may care kind of demeanor come from? Uh, I
0: don't I think I've, I've sort of just been born with it, really. I think like my dad's pretty chill, and like on my mom's side, like my granddad's real chill too. So I guess it sort of just like runs in the family. Yeah, and your mom's not like that? Uh, no. Not as much. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so you did the do Duo fundraiser with us, which we appreciate. And um, I found these posts on Twitter where uh, you, were, you, you gave a signed jersey to a player, to, to a, young, a young kid. And then I saw another one on Twitter that was um, Woods on Deck Circle. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, no, it's just... It's all, um so my, me and my mom. My mom helped me out, like with with really starting it a lot. But it's like it's basically like a group of like young African American baseball players, and it's just like I I kind of just try and, like be be there for them, like really as much as I can. Like I used to do I would do Zoom calls with them, but obviously like it, it's a little tough like in the middle of the season. But in the off season, I would do like a Zoom call. I'll try to do it like every month or so, sort of just like be able to check in with them, but. I just want to be able to be there for for them, like if they need help with anything, if they got questions, I just want to be able to be there and help them out.
1: So that's, big. of service is kind of, you know, kind of in your family there to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And you're going to obviously hopefully move forward with that yeah, as, you, for sure. as you advance in your career and <clears throat> really reach out to Grandy because he, he's, he does a lot yeah. of that stuff and, and he can kind of mentor you along the way, I would say. Um, okay. So that's all the good stuff. Let's talk about the fun stuff. <laughs> All right, quick, your quick hits. Mm-hmm. What's your walk-up song?
0: Walk-up well, song right now, it's uh, "Keep the Heads Ringing," Dr. Dre, a little, a little Friday. All right, yeah. I've changed it up a little. I've gone, I've gone uh, some Gold Link. Uh, when it was Kodak Black earlier, I changed it like this week. So. I, I switch it up a lot. I don't like keeping it the same, really. Yeah, the,
1: well, the Dre, I get it. Everything out in that just... <laughs> in <mind>. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who's your celebrity crush?
0: Uh, Karuti. Okay, Karuti. Yeah, our R&B singer.
1: All right, all right. If you could have lunch with one person, celebrity or historical figure, or hell, even athlete, who would it be? Uh
0: shoot. Uh, I don't even know. Good one. I don't know. No one listening uh, to this yeah.
1: podcast. You're all good. It could <laughs> I don't know. Maybe
0: Kanye. I feel like Kanye would be pretty funny. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's
1: he's an interesting cat. <laughs> yeah, <you>
0: know, <laughs> Kanye would to be. be pretty interesting.
1: Okay, if you had to choice between buying a jet or a yacht,
0: uh, probably a jet. Jet, nice, yeah. nice. You be able to go anywhere or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, Kanye feels. Yeah. Good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I also know that you play video games. Uh, is it Call of Duty or Fortnite?
0: Call of Duty. Yeah. He's,
1: okay, so you know Blake Snell with the Padres, the big league team. Yeah,
0: but he—he's a big Warzone guy. I, I don't—I don't really like Warzone that much. I'm—I'm just—I keep it straight multiplayer usually. Okay. Yeah, team right. deathmatch, all that. So is it uh
1: is it Xbox or PS5? Xbox. Xbox. Yeah. All right. Shift or no shift?
0: Um. I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I sometimes I miss the shift because a lot of times like two strikes, those little backdoor curveballs, you can you can kind of slap them that way. A little shift buster will give you a little knock there.
1: That's right. All the shifts we've tried out right now. That's, yeah. Um. I, we talked to uh. I think I talked to uh, Marcos Gaston. And mm-hmm. he got he got called for like. <laughs> emperor, like scoot like, up, dude!
0: You can't yeah. be on the grass." Yeah, oh, yeah. Like heels on the grass. I'm like, some some of the umps will be on you, but I'm like. Sure.
1: Uh, all right, auto strike zone or okay. no auto strike zone?
0: Um, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'd, I think I'd rather keep it like just normal. I think I think the automated strike zone is good. I just don't think it's it's really baseball. Right. Yeah. I don't. Right. I don't know. It okay. is. It is what it is. Right. But. Well,
1: part of part of like even when I when I play, right. okay, that's the empire. I know he calls a low ball. I know he can call a high strike. So yeah, you know you kind know, of oh. who what he's gonna call. All right, so you've been to California for a while. Is it In-N-Out or Five Guys?
0: Um, it depends. I I, Five Guys is Five Guys is kind of expensive though. Like it's like, so they always had this little poster there. It's like best five dollar burger, and now it's like a bacon cheeseburger, and like a drink is fifteen dollars. So I think I'd probably say In-N-Out just because In-N-Out's way better, like bang for your buck. So.
1: Yeah, I'm all about that. Calories to dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: I, five, I think Five Guys is the better burger, but I, I think you could get a lot better. I don't know. I yeah. think, yeah, just bang for your buck. You're, you're going in to get a quick burger, in and outs, in and outs of the spot. All right,
1: two more. Who plays you in the movie of your life?
0: Um, Denzel Washington. Denzel! <laughs> nice!
1: God, yeah. you must be an old soul, dude, because that's <laughs> old school. I
0: love
1: well, James, yeah. Um, or Major
0: League? What was the question?
1: Boulderham, favorite baseball movie, Boulderham or Major League?
0: I've never seen either.
1: Wow, okay, there yeah. we go. <laughs> younger, uh, older question, yeah. uh, lost on younger <laughs> listeners. <laughs> never seen either. Well, check them both out. They're real fun. Uh, yeah. Dude, Chase, I really appreciate you taking uh, the time. Man. It's been a long, hot day. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. So, thank you.